Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, July 6th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. So uh, Steve Coates going to join us coming up here momentarily uh, to break down how he has handled uh, the pause. We talked to Coatsy real early in the NHL pause, uh, but we're now getting closer and closer to Phase 3. Well, we should get a ratification of uh, the new deal between the players and the owners pending any last-minute snags. It looks like there will be a four-year extension to the CBA, which is just tremendous news. And also, uh, a big element of this is that the NHL will be returning to the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. Now, the fallout from that is really interesting to me because it makes me wonder when we're going to get the NHL schedule back to where uh, it was prior to a pandemic. In other words, where they go to camps in mid to late September, preseason is held through uh, the end of September and into early October with a puck drop around October 6th, October 7th, 8th or 9th, whatever it is. And then, you know, your regular season ending uh, anytime between the 7th and 10th of April and your Stanley Cup handed out by generally around June 10th to 15th. Uh, when we're going to get back there with the schedule, obviously, this year uh, being totally pushed uh, even into September when the cup will be handed out or even October and then the 2020-2021 season probably starting sometime in December or maybe even January um, and then you couple that with in 2022 you're gonna have the three weeks off because of the Olympics so when will the NHL get back to its normal schedule um, that's something that may take years it may take a couple of years for that to happen but also as part of those CBA negotiations the players and the league uh, finding a lot of common ground on how to handle the escrow situation for players, which is a big, a big uh, hang up for them, and then also obviously uh, dealing with deferred payments and and the salary cap, which it looks like for the next two years will remain at 81 and a half million. Uh, so teams with cap space is going to be extremely valuable as teams are going to have to try and shed some salary, especially teams in the Flyers are going to have to make some of these decisions as well with pending restricted free agents as well uh, that they have to deal with. So it's going to be an interesting situation around the league and another team coming into the league and an expansion draft to boot is not that far away just after next season. So uh, a lot of things to consider as the NHL moves forward uh, beyond here and uh, phase three going to start. It looks like a week from today and then uh, phase four uh, sometime uh, they're looking to get the game started around August 1st. Uh, same time the NBA is going to do that. And uh, it looks like the hub city is going to be Toronto and Edmonton. And the conference final and Stanley Cup final will be played in Alberta, in Edmonton. So uh, that looks how things are playing out. We'll see if things change and curveballs happen. And they have happened a lot here in dealing with this pandemic. It looked like Vegas was a foregone conclusion. Uh, and obviously that turned out not to be the case pending the latest information. Uh, so we'll see how everything does play out. But we're getting closer and closer to getting the NHL, getting the players back on the ice and get a battle underway here uh, for Lord Stanley's Chalice. And they'll hand out the cup this year, which will be great to see. And then get underway with the 2020 and 2021 season. Uh, but right now, let's get to Steve Coates and uh, the Flyers Daily brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer. It's a lager. It's time to spread your wings. Yingling Traditional Lager. What goes together with beer? It's Coatsy. And he joins us right now on Flyers Daily. Coatsy, how you doing? Uh, Jason, I think we could all be a little bit uh, better. Hopefully this is over soon and we can get back to a normal a normal pace of life. Has your handicap improved over the pause? I'm a classic example of somebody that plays more than usual and has not improved one bit. <laughs> well, I talked to Clarky a couple weeks ago here on the podcast, and, and he said the same thing. He said, 
I play a lot, but it doesn't seem to help my game at all. It seems odd, uh, but players, the more they practice, presumably the better they'll get, and players are back skating right now as phase two continues, Coatsy. Um, you know, you're seeing some positive tests around the league, but uh, players' preparations are underway for phase three. What did you think of the uh, 2014 field that they, they, they've kind of instituted here with the best of five playing round to the, the actual playoffs in the best of 16? I thought it was it was done very well. I think that considering that some teams had 12 games left, some had 13 games left, you know, somebody was going to get left out. But when you had to make the decision and you did it percentage-wise, I think it was very fair. I mean, does Montreal really deserve to be in the playoffs? No. But accordingly, uh, NBC's got to have games for their contract. I mean, individual, you know, uh, Teams have their contracts with their TV people. So this is going to fulfill that number as far as uh, the TV is concerned. Obviously, you're not going to be able to have people in your building. But I think they did a really good job. And then when they added the, the uh, uh, Ron Robin for the seated teams, that just put it really in context that they were doing everything power to be able to get people playing, uh, have the opportunity as a, a seated team to have a few games prior to having to play a playing uh Round winner. How important is that, Coatsy, for for the teams that like the Flyers, who are a top four team? And boy, the way it played out, the situation benefits them greatly because they can't move down from four, but they can only move up, and those games actually mean something. So you can go into that with a sense of uh, mental freedom and no pressure because you're going, well, we can move up if we if we beat a couple of these teams in Tampa, Boston, and and the Washington Capitals. Uh, but if we don't, we're still the four seed. So that, that's a good place for the Flyers to be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's no two ways about it. But the, the, the last month that they put together uh, really put them in a very good spot when it comes to playing this playoff come August. Um, and, you know, when you take a look at the system, well, not the system, but the situation, I mean, nobody knows how this is going to play out. I don't think that in the – I don't even know how you could make a comparison where you can go into the playoffs with everybody basically healthy. I mean, I don't remember where you could actually say, yeah, everybody's healthy going into the Stanley Cup playoffs. That was going into this year's playoffs. Every team had, you know, two, three, four injuries. Now everybody's back except for a couple of guys and a couple of teams. So it's going to be really interesting. And the other thing that's going to be a key is I've got to figure that the team – that has looked after themselves the best will have the best advantage in this. This is going to be fast. It's going to be down. It's going to be, uh, and, and the guys that looked after themselves and the teams that were really conscientious during this break are the ones I think are going to have an advantage. It, that's, that's a question that I've been trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out Coatsy and you're right. Whoever, you know, kind of took care of their body and, and is able to get their mind back as quickly as possible and gain a little confidence once they are back on the ice in, in organized team practices at training camp coming up a week from uh, at the end, of, uh, basically a week from now. Um, but is it young players, Coatsy, that have the advantage? Is it older players that have been there to playoffs before, multiple playoffs? Or is it young legs? I mean, I don't know what the recipe is for this. I guess we won't truly know until it's over, but. What's your best guess? Is it young legs or is it veteran players who kind of know how to ratchet it up for the playoffs because they've been there, done that? Well, when you first, if you had to put a, you know, push a button right, right off the bat when you ask that question, answer that question, you'd think it would be young legs. 
But, you know, an older player that's got the smarts, has been there before, you understand. So you mix that in, you know, everybody brings a different element to the table in this circumstance. Um, as long as it, they don't live like you and I, Jason, they should all be pretty good right now heading into this playoff. Yeah. What well, you brought it up too, and you brought up, you know, teams are going to be healthier heading into a battle for uh, the Stanley Cup than ever before in the game's history. And you look at certain no. teams and what they've gotten back. Flyers gotten players back too. James Van Riemsdyk will be back. Phil Myers, Nate Thompson. But you look at a team like Columbus, who's in the Flyers division, and they're going to uh, face the Toronto Maple Leafs in the best of five playing. They get Seth Jones back, Cam Atkinson, uh, a coach in John Tortorella that knows how to motivate a group. That could be a team that could be dangerous, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely they can. Because at one point, they had nine guys out of their lineup. I mean, Oof. that was just like astronomical. And I'm pretty sure that Josh Anderson is the only one that they don't get back. Yep. And he's a big part of that. He's a big power forward. He can, you know, he, re, he he's a big part of the, the attack. But, well, getting all those other players back, I mean, in a three out of five series, man, I don't think I'd want to play the, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. And, and when you take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, oh, yeah, they got the high power offense. But defense is a problem there. And, you know, Tortorella's a pretty bright guy. He, he beat Tampa last year. So, Watch out. Yeah, he, he's a guy that knows how to push the right buttons on his groups. So let's talk about that. Um, because coaching, you know, I, I'm a firm believer, you know, players play, coaches coach. And come playoff time, it's not really a coach's job to motivate a group when you're playing for the cup and you're in the playoffs. But uh, this is a very unique circumstance. And having a veteran coach and a veteran coaching staff like Elaine Vigneault with Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian and and uh, Elon Perrier and Kim Dillaball, that staff, uh, those years of experience, seeing it all, does, does that benefit them here in this situation, even though they've never gone through a, a situation like this? Absolutely. No two ways about it. I don't think this coaching staff has got the credit around the National Hockey they deserve. Oh, yeah, they've had some accolades. No two ways about it. But the job they did, and you could see it grow. Uh, when Alan Vigneault came in, they had always talked about that his first year anywhere, New York Rangers, Vancouver Canucks, his teams always improved. And he figured, okay, yeah, we're going to wait to see that happen. It's going to happen. And, and all of a sudden, boy, did this team come together as a group. Got the, the veterans like Giroux and Vortech that buy in. Then you get great goaltending, but you got your veterans back there on the, on the blue line with, with Niskan was a big plus. Uh, Braun was a big plus. I mean, to, to move in with the younger players, you're, you're growing back in that ball. It just, it just came together, and that's coaching. You know, you set the, the model, you give them the structure, you give them the expectations of what they, uh, uh, what they have to go out and do, and you tell the one thing too, and I, I would use this word to be the buzzword for this hockey team: accountable. Yeah, I agree. If you, if you didn't go out and play, then you weren't going to play. And it yeah. didn't matter who you were, how long you've been here, you're going to be accountable. And the coach did that, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, to me, that's the biggest difference, kind of, with this group is just. I don't care if you're a rookie on an entry-level contract or a third-year player rounding out your ELC or 
if you're a 10-year vet making uh, north of $7 million a year, the same level of accountability and expectation is there to play to your skill set and beyond. And Elaine's done that. Hey, Coatsy, um, are players going to be ahead of goaltenders or are goaltenders going to be ahead of players? This is something I can't figure out either. The goaltending position, as you know, doesn't dictate the terms. It's a reactive position. So does that element of it make it that the goaltenders may be behind the players? Well, I would think that, you know, for a guy like yourself as a goaltender, you know, you'd understand what you need to do to be uh, in shape and ready to go. Um, in, the, in the way that the game is played now and the way that the, the position of goal is played, um, flexibility becomes so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you, you, I mean, stretching uh, has to be your ultimate number one thing to have um, in your repertoire because you can get hurt that much quicker as a goaltender. I mean, groins are just so prevalent in that circumstance. So I would think that a goalie. Flexibility-wise, I mean, take a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, he he just lives and dies by that. Um, so I would think that'd be the number one thing for a goalie. And then the, the for a player and the goalie, everyone has a different um, uh, program given to them, and they're going to have to come in and they're going to have to meet, you know, uh, the goals that were given to them, like body fat, um, their ability to do different things as far as the machines is concerned. So I, you know, I would think that they both. They're given goals. Uh, I would think a, a goaltender like Carter Hart um, is, a, is made up a little bit different, obviously, than uh, a guy like Claude Giroux. So his goals would be a lot different, but they know how his body's got to be. And that's what they expect when they come back. Yeah, and, and most importantly, uh, Carter being so mature for a 21-year-old NHL goaltender, he knows where his body's got to be and his mind's got to be as well. That's now, right. Inter- I mean, the interesting thing, too, is um, – you know, this goes for everybody that plays, goaltenders and everybody. The the players, and maybe especially goalies, that can establish a level of confidence in their game that it's as close to where it was when they had the they began the pause are going to be the ones that you're going to go, man, those are the guys that are up on their skates and playing with confidence. Because when they capture that early, you're going to see the difference between the players that have confidence and are comfortable versus the ones that don't. <laughs> Yeah, that's and that goes back to did they take care of themselves? Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, how many guys actually went home back in March and said, "Oh, this is over." I won't say September, and then they got into April and May and said, "Ah, oh, this is over. It's all done." So they might have taken that time off. So there's a lot of moving parts here. It's going to be very interesting when everybody gets back to see how this all works out. Um, Coatsy, uh, is the integrity there? Uh, for this Stanley Cup that it, it does not deserve an asterisk. You know, it's still going to be a, a field of 16 all said and done after the play-in situation. And look, everybody's coming back under the same exact parameters and having gone through the same situation. So it's a level playing field in that regard. Um, is the integrity there? Does this cup get an asterisk or is it just known simply as the COVID cup? Well, that's a really hard question because you know what, when you're sitting here in the middle of you know, you're the beginning of July and you're saying, well, we're about to go into the Stanley Cup playoffs. You go, that seems really, like, strange. Isn't being fit with the climate. So that's, you're off to a tough start then. 
Yeah. Will everybody be watching? Yeah. Let's be all watching because it's going to be a very popular thing. Once we get into it, I truly believe that it will find its own personality to the extent that we won't think any different. But we are now into it and we're going, wow, they got a chance of going. Is it uh, strange to have the Stanley Cup awarded in the end of September? Yeah. But I think once they get cooking and it goes according to plan, what they how to handle it, the quarantine, the buildings, the schedules, that uh, the, the broadcasts uh, all squared away to be able to get as much exposure as possible for the NHL hockey that's going to take place, that once we get over that hump, I think it's going to be an exciting event. Yeah. And I don't put the asterisk to say, well, the schedule was canceled or like delayed because, I mean, it'd be no different than any other type of catastrophe. When they had the the, uh, the Spanish flu, what was there an asterisk there? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it was, it's, you know, the, the league's in its infancy at that point and six teams, obviously this is far different, but um, it, it's not like it's under anyone's control. It, you know, and that leads me to my next no, question. No, I mean, yeah. go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, it leads me to my next question because, you know, I, on this podcast and I've said it on the air, uh, doing radio shows and anybody that'll listen, um, I've given major stick taps to the NHL, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly on the, uh, on the league side, Donald Fear and the Players Association and the Return Committee, which included James Van Riemsdyk, um, for a couple of things. One, for being extremely transparent with its fan base and it, what its desire was to come back and to leave no stone unturned. Uh, to wait to name hub cities till they had the most up-to-date data as possible so you don't kind of fall into what the NBA did where they decided Orlando and now all of a sudden there's an outbreak there. Um, but also, you know, they've made it clear that this is – they want to come back and hand out the cup, but there's also financial reasons. They want to mitigate the losses of revenue, and they're working with the players. And one of the things that's going to come out of this, Coatsy, is a new uh, extension to the CBA, a four-year extension, which I thought was paramount that you didn't have a work stoppage coming with a new team and a new television contract uh, as a result of this. And, and it seems like the players and the league have worked together extremely well, which, as you know, is not something that has historically happened. It's exactly opposite when you think yeah. about it. They've always had a very contentious uh, relationship. I think that the NHL really was ahead of the game with everybody else as far as the, board, the, the major league sports. And, and coming to an agreement, getting ready to play, understanding what they had to do. Um, you know, when you take a look at the baseball players and what they went through and all mm. the, the uh, they, they use that as a negotiation. No, they, they use it as a tool. They, they, they that's, that's always been a contentious situation there too. But I, I think that the people that you just mentioned, uh, Donald Fair, Donald, I mean, uh, and, and Gary Bedman, uh, Bill Daly, I mean, everybody in involved did a fabulous job and the other thing i like about it it was very rare that you say or saw rather a hockey player come out and, and make a derogatory comment about i'm not going to come back and i'm not going to do this and i think that that's a credit to the players so saying understand that this is something that you have uh this is a is, is like a uh a gift, not a gift. There's a word for it where to be able to play in the National Hockey League is pretty special. And when you're afforded the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup, go back to work, provide for your family, boy, I'll tell you what, that's a pretty good thing. So this opportunity, as much as 
sometimes you might say, well, it's a little dangerous because of the, the COVID. The NHL is going to play well. They're going to make sure that you're okay, and they're not going to put you in a precarious position that's going to cause people's problems and, and actually threaten their, their, their lives. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's key. Um, Coatsy, um, you played this game a long time. You've been calling games for a long time. You've been in some raucous environments uh, in regular seasons, playoffs, outdoor games, whatever it might be. What's it going to be like with no fans for the players? I mean, these, these guys haven't played in front of no fans since they were peewees. So what's it going to be like in an empty barn? Um, I guess it'd be like having somebody back in the day in front of your mom and dad. <laughs> it, it didn't. It didn't change the intensity of the way you play. Um, you still have the will to win. Um, you have the uh, the pride part of it to go out and do your best possible job. Um, the other thing that I did hear, and I, I can't, and you probably know more than I do, but I, I have heard that they have the technical ability to pipe crowd noise into the buildings relevant to the pace of the game and what's happening in the game. Yeah, I'm not into have that. Have you heard? Yeah, I, I heard well, that's a consideration. I mean, I think that's trying to fool us. I mean, just give me some more player sound. You know what I mean? We we all know there's no fans there. Don't t- it's like it's like a '70s sitcom when they told you to laugh with the canned laughter. I know yeah, when to get excited. I, I, <laughs> I, I think that that's the thing that you do. You you experiment with it. Yeah. Try it. If yep. it works, then so be it. If, if nobody likes it, then pull it. But um, that that's going to be like playing in the United States Hockey League in Chicago Stadium where there's only people where the team is. In the building and the two goal judges and the referees. <laughs> yep. And the goalie parents um, always standing by themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we've all played in a lot of buildings. There was nobody in it. Um, somebody would make a remark, probably the Florida Panthers would probably have an advantage because they do it all year round. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. There's no big change <laughs> for the Panthers down there in Sunrise, no doubt about it. Um, Coatsy, uh, last thing for you. Um, when you look at the situation in total, it's a really hard playoff to, to kind of figure out who's going to be successful and who's not. Um, but as you look at the, the four teams that they'll face in this round robin, or three teams, excuse me, Boston, Washington, and, um, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, they got a winning record against all those teams, except for Tampa they went 0-2 against. Um, they have the best record of any team against its conference, and they have the best record of any team against its division at 16-4-4. The Flyers should go into this, and I know that momentum was stopped at the pause after they won 9 out of 10, but they should go into this as a legitimate cup contender. Am I right? Oh, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I'm just thinking of, you know, when you match them up with the three other teams that are seated right now, um, you know, they're right there with Boston. And then we can think of the other way. Boston's right there with Philadelphia. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to be a very hungry team, but at the same time, how hungry are you going to be now because of the delay? They've had the delay. Um, because they were probably the biggest shock in last year's playoffs getting knocked off by Columbus to start the playoffs. Um, I think that they're playing a different style in Tampa now where they're, they're a lot more uh, responsible defensively, and that's really affected their ability to play, you know, on a continuous uh, 
uh, steady pace. Um, and then Wallace, you came in, you got Ovechkin, and you got that, that Stanley Cup from two years ago under their belt. So they're going to be a, a, a team to be reckoned with. So it's going to be, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how this pans out. Um, but I would think that Philadelphia has to be, when you look at their four lines and what each brings, and, and, you know, you've got all sorts of different personalities now in this hockey club, guys that came out of nowhere. Pitlick, um, you know, yeah, Obeka Bell probably was the biggest surprise of the year. And those are the character guys that are filling in the voice of this hockey club that now provides you looking back and say, four solid lines, two solid, I mean, three solid groups of defense and good goaltending. And that's what makes you feel better going into this playoff. Yeah. Um, You also have a guy. And I lied. This is the last question because I don't want to roll some numbers to you before I get to the actual question here. Um, the Flyers played against the Capitals four times this year. They went 3-0-1 against the Caps. In those four games, um, the Caps have a guy who scored 48 goals to win his ninth Rocket Richard Trophy in Alexander Ovechkin this year in 68 games. In those four games, Alex Ovechkin came out with not a single point. Now, a big player and a big reason for that is number 14 for the Philadelphia Flyers, Sean Couturier. Coetzee, does he win his first Selkie this year? The balloting is done. Votes are in. We'll find out eventually if he did. Um, but he's a big reason why a guy like Ovechkin goes scoreless. Kucherov ends up with just an assist against the Flyers. Uh, Pasta, uh, David Pasternak only ends up with a goal and an assist in three games against the Flyers. To be able to shut those lines down and then be a, a net positive at the other end of the ice as well is a big reason why he's going to be a finalist. But does he actually win the Selkie? If there, if he doesn't win it, there should be an investigation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who else? Okay, Kopitar, past winner. Okay, bad team. Anyway, can't be included. Uh, Bergeron in Boston, absolutely outstanding. But it's time. Okay, this guy deserves it. And the one thing when you look at a player, how he evolves into his better uh, years in the NHL. He came into the National Hockey League as a scorer, but it didn't work out that way because he was a young guy and it was going to take some time. So they said, well, he's one of the better defensive forwards in the National Hockey League. Well, now he's brought the offensive to it. And so now he's the whole package. Um, I, I can tell you, I voted for him for the most valuable player on the Flyers team. I mean, I did he's the well. guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy. So, yeah, he, he deserves to win that award. Um I would tell you, and a lot of other people tell you, deserve to do it a couple years ago. But now is the time, and I and I, I sure hope it happens. Yeah, he deserves the recognition that comes with being a so. He, he'll tell you he doesn't care about that because he's a hockey player. Um, but you're you're right. He's brought that offensive game to the next level. Came out of the Quebec Major Junior League at, at just putting up you know buckets of points, and then has mono in his draft year. Slips to eighth, where the Flyers are lucky enough to get him. Uh, he's been in the league ever since, and uh, he's a great player. And watching him develop as a player and as a human, he's got a pregnant wife now. It's amazing. Been in the league nine years already, Sean Couturier. But uh, we'll see if he gets that. And you, you've got to watch and isolate him on the ice to understand how good he is yeah. in his own zone. The center position is a harder position to play because of the extra work you have to do in your own zone. That guy has to, he, he, most of the time, is the guy that has to drop back 
and make sure that you're, you're masked up properly in numbers below the circles. And how many times do you say, oh, there's Sean Couturier in the corner to the goalie, to the right of the goalie? Oh, Sean Couturier just took the puck below the goal line to the left of the goalie. These are the types of things that you don't notice until somebody says, you know what, you've got to watch Couturier and see how exactly good he is in his own zone. So uh, I just think that it's time. Yeah, you're right. He plays from end boards to end boards, and uh, he's a plus at both ends of the ice, and that's a great thing for the Flyers. Hey, Coatsy, um, you know, we're looking forward to phase three and then phase four and uh, getting this thing underway. We appreciate you dropping in here on Flyers Daily. I'm glad that uh, you're getting a lot of golf in, but we're going to get you off that course soon and get you back calling hockey games, so I appreciate it. Chase, thanks very much. I look forward to seeing you real soon. Special thanks to Steve Coates for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Always great to talk to Coatsy, and can't wait to get – him and Tim Saunders back in the booth calling these games and uh, get the get the game back on the ice, which isn't that far off. About a week from now, they'll be in uh, training camp. Coaches back on the ice, all players reporting uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, phase two continues this week. Players out there skating and uh, getting prepared for training camp uh, just coming up uh, in just about a week's time. In the meantime, that's going to re- put a wrap on this Monday, July 6th edition of Flyers Daily. Another episode coming up on Wednesday. and We'll be talking to a bunch of the Flyers coaching staff over the next bunch of episodes, including Mike Yo, Michelle Terrian, Elaine Vigneault, Kim Dillabaugh, and Ian LaPerriere. So stay tuned. That's on the way uh, in subsequent episodes of Flyers Daily. But in the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. Leave us a rating and review if you can. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well. And Flyers Daily is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday's episode of Flyers Daily. Be what you want to be See what you came to see Be what you want to be I don't like what I see